to Idle Talk, the chill conversational podcast about reading, watching, and playing in the broken up soul world. I'm your your co-host, Drake, and I'm joined by the other co-host, Cole. Hello, I'm here. Hello. It's quarantine hour, yet again. Um, it's dark out at it's 4 p.m. Yeah. <laughs> is it is it dark at 4 where you are? At 4.45. See, for me, it's, it's, it's dark like 5.15, or it starts getting dark. Stop working at five thirty and be like, all right, maybe I'll go for a run. It's two a.m. and I'm yeah. bored. Yeah. I mean, that's how it is, I guess. You know, we're hitting the instead. Winter time. So instead, instead of throwing on the running shoes, I plan to drink more water. There you go. Exercising the gamer's muscle. The mind. Right. <laughs> the muscle, the madness. Yeah. You have a lot of games on the go. Uh no. Um, but tell tell me about what you've been playing on your PlayStation Two. So I've been playing, you know, all the PlayStation Two hits that the cool kids are talking about. You know, the NCAA football two thousand twos. Been playing some. Ti- I've been playing some Tiger Woods 05. Damn, I um, I forgot because they don't make like college football games anymore, do they? Or am I just no? They don't, which w- which is why I hold hold the ones I have on the PS Two so dear. Yeah, the best football games of all time. This is the EA. It's not Madden. Yeah, obviously. hell yeah. Yeah, okay, cool. Exactly, and I'm playing some uh, Star Wars Bounty Hunter. Hell yeah. Which is a lot better than I remembered, despite it having the most obtuse control scheme of all I've almost ever come in contact with. Whoa, okay, that's quite a claim. <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, just re- just like some 007 Nightfire. A yeah. classic of almost all yeah, Bounty Hunter is cool. It has a weirdly fleshed out story, which I don't remember it having. Okay, yeah. Um, some like legit cutscenes. It like leads into episode two with Jenga Fett and the alien lady who darts. Oh yes. The other, just about their little. I'm forgetting. <laughs> I'm forgetting her her name, but she's cool. I the like ve- her. Yeah. The very funny thing about Bounty Hunter is it ends on like a very positive, upbeat note between them two. Oh no. <laughs> History is very down on the poor souls. <laughs> yeah, that's wild. Okay, um, I'll. I mean, I'll. You know, I will play that. I would make. Uh, yeah, you should definitely play it, or just watch, like, a full play of it. Okay. Or just, just check out some of the cutscenes, cause it's like, it's cool. Yeah. And is it um? And then, is it? Uh, I'm forgetting the actor's name who plays Jenga Fett. Yeah, it's him. Oh, hell yeah. Which is rad. That's um. He's been busy, man. Just doing good. Doing good bounty hunter stuff. Yeah, but, uh, it feels terrible. So. <laughs> well, there you go. Truly, the the PlayStation Two contrast. Yeah, like I don't have a like beyond how much I'm vibing with the Star Warsiness of it all. I don't really have much to say about it beyond that because it is rough to play. Yeah. I mean, I kind of like the thing is, it's it's. I mean, this is both. So the thing is modern games or like games at the scale of star wars um tend to be janky but it's janky in a very different direction it's very like unwieldy like big yeah. production jank or like you know released too early like fallen order stuff like that right yeah as opposed to sort of the like the game jank of some of those like playstation 2 era star wars games right um mm-hmm. just very different um 
Yeah, and like I don't know, it just playing a lot of the PS2 style of games like the Clone Wars game. Yeah. Or the Attack of the Clones. Or is it the Clone? I, I think the it's vehicle just based the Clone Wars game. I think it's I think just it's the, the Clone, Clone Wars. Wars. Yeah. Bundled with the I don't know. I feel like. Yeah. yeah. There was. That. That was a good period for platforming. Um, I don't know. It's just like the, those games and their messiness. They speak to less of. I don't know. Like playing Fallen Order, it's like. They're like they obviously probably crunched way too hard on this and some suit pushed the date way too far forward. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I mean, you can still like, I think I, I'm, I'm impressed with how much that game feels, um, like how much prequel stuff is in that game. First of all, (laughs) (laughs) like that's sort of how it feels in conversation with stuff that I've really found interesting about star Wars. Um, but it, it is still like, there is this sense in which it is very like cognizant of the brand. Right. Yeah, and its relationship sure. to the brand, right, and that, and that's just unavoidable. Like, I'm not saying you can make a Star Wars game and be <coughs> clean of that, but like, it is the way that yeah. worked was different in 2003. Or yeah, and I'm yeah, I'm not. I mean, they're obviously like, you know, work conditions in the game industry have didn't suddenly get bad. It's been like that for a long, mm-hmm, long time. Yeah. So I'm not saying they didn't crunch on these old Star Wars games, but in the messiness of those games, it almost feels. I don't know. There, like, there's almost like an like an untapped potential. Like Star Wars is in a period of like, in it could Star Wars could be anything. Um, yeah, I feel like those mm-hmm. games really speak to that, and both how much they leave up to the player to like fill in, and through both like of like graphical constraints and design constraints. Um, like a lot of big story stuff on bounty hunter happens like in the margins, and just kind of leaves it up to you to sort of figure out or seek out yourself, which is really right. cool. Yeah, that makes sense. But I don't know. Star Wars is good, especially between like 1999 and like 2004. <laughs> it's a good, it's a good Star Wars period. Um, I almost counted those movies as bad, so I didn't really like the effect on the world. I guess I was People playing Jedi Outcast and and Cassian oh, and yeah. stuff. Things like that. People are still saying those movies are bad. People will always be saying those movies are bad. Um, People always be wrong. Yeah, and it's fu- it's fine. Like I I get it. Yeah, um, yeah. I just uh, I just don't really care at this point. Yeah, same. Um, I mean I do I guess because we're talking about it on this podcast, <laughs> but <laughs> um, but just to say like it's just not a conversation that's worth having right over and over again. So mm-hmm. it's not worth really living. No, no. Because like I d- it's just yeah I don't I don't really know what it gets us as like a critical community. <laughs> We're yeah. like constantly relitigating the movies. Uh, oh, yep. Oh, um, but yeah. Sorry. Um, uh, yeah, just the PlayStation Two. The I have the slim one. It be it be purring. It's very loud. Oh, I didn't realize that everyone um, had the slim. I have the I have the I have a bigger one. Yeah, mine's it's pretty loud, and I got. I have, you know, RGB in in my, you know, flat screen living room TV, but I still got an HDMI converter that just upscales it a bit. Okay, yeah, I gotcha, I gotcha. And makes it so I don't have to mess with, like, the color um, palette of the TV itself. So, like, like a lot of PS2 games are a lot darker than what their TVs are used to putting out, so games are super dark if you're just plugging them into the RGB outlets. But once I flush it through HDMI, it 
the first place. Yeah. And then I did message I the Mexican baker to. who owns two Mexican bakers, but then I got a different set of bread. Because mm-hmm. I'm really not that picky. Some of the people are picky. And I like, I like now, you know, now that I have the emulator, it's like I can put Joker Pie and stuff like that. Um, oh, but not, sure. But not that I, you know, but I have a bunch of PlayStation 2 discs that I inherited from the in-laws, and so it's not like, mm-hmm. you know, like I am, I am playing on the actual PlayStation 2 now. Um, yeah, and then like, because I was going to play Call of Duty Finest Hour. Right. Mm-hmm. And it, it was just so dark. And I didn't, I got that turned back on. It's, it's fine now. That game, I mean, it's like the first console Call of Duty game, and it's right. interesting. Um, I like always forget that those games were PC games for a long time. Yeah, mm-hmm. and like, what's very funny is you look at the Call of Duty of today and the Call of Duty then and like the initial project of the of that series you know ethically it's still the exact same but it's kind of funny how much they still didn't get it back then like the game the first arc of finest hours playing as russian forces during the battle of stalingrad right Mm -hmm. and just like super plays up the hamminess of like the western view of like communism and like right by the russian military like the game the game opens with like a a commissar shooting someone for jumping off a boat and like trying to like swim away from the battle. Right, but right, right. It also where it doesn't get a lot of that stuff. I mean, it, I guess it's correct and stuff like that. Obviously, it definitely happened, but it, like the way they play it out feels very mm, eye rolly. But what yeah. the game really gets in regards to like the Eastern Front is like the industrialization on the Russian side of the conflict. Like the <laughs> like the first ten minutes of the game, all you have. It was like a mag, like it was like a little like magazine in your hand, like a gun clip in your hand because there weren't, there's not enough guns to go around, so you're just running around, <laughs> like, like you, you yeah. go across this, you go, you go through this like supply line of people handing out gear, and you don't get a gun, and then you get thrust immediately wow. in combat, yeah. so you're like dipping from cover to cover, just a magazine until someone kills a German, and then, you th- and then they hand you one of their weapons. Yeah, that's like that. That is wild because like. I mean, that's the thing about, like, the Soviet Union is it is, you know, largely not an industrialized country outside of certain parts of it, right? Yeah. Um, and so then, and then it's trying to, like, indu- to get that moving while there is, like, tremendous imperialist pressure from outside, right? Mm-hmm. And, like, like right after the revolution, Russian Revolution ended, like, the United States and a bunch of other, like, capitalist, liberal, democratic nations invaded, <laughs> so... It's, like, really, it is, like, and, yeah, I'm not, like, I, there's complexity there, but, like, it is, it is, like, heroic that Russian forces, like, managed to invade Berlin. <laughs> that is, like, a thing that happened. Yeah. Like, yeah. Know, pretty cool. Um, yeah. And then I, yeah, and then I played some of the, you know, like, two, two towers and return of the king games, which. Yeah. You don't mm-hmm. have to get into them too much. Like, they're very good. I would like to, I would like to actually play, I started two towers, like, a year ago again. Because mm-hmm. I played a couple of games on that, I think some some of the, one of the really weird and interesting things about that was the way it cuts between, like the FMV footage of the movie to the game, yeah. And it's supposed to be like, whoa, like look at how real it looks like <laughs> this, and now it feels very comical, right? Um, yeah. The juxtaposition, and not that the game like looks bad, um, but it's just not. It doesn't look like the movie. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I've been just playing some Resident Evil Six, which is of the same mm-hmm. t- game as the original Return of the King game with the three D dollars. Yeah. Um, which is I think they're like they're good. Yeah, well I think that's interesting that like I mean licensed games are in just such a different place that it's like you make sort of like genre titles. Like there were those um 
like the Game Boy Color Harry Potter games, I think are JRPGs, like straight up. Yeah, like there were e- there were even a Game Boy. Well, during Steam for sure. Uh, well, Doom, not Doom Throne, uh, Diablo Throne. Was it Throne? Sorry. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I pl- I had the Game Boy Advance system. I think NSXE. Um, yeah, like yeah. it's like a loot, you know, character based puzzle action RPG. Um, mm-hmm. And like that. Um, that c- that kind of thing just doesn't happen. Like you, you I I feel like no. the there's both this ho- homogenization of genre and this like sort of settling into it that it's like you know fallen order is like a cinematic action adventure a la mm-hmm. uncharted a la like the new tomb raiders right um even though people kept comparing it to souls which like makes sense but also just is it <laughs> yeah like the attack with the face buttons and walk on yeah there's like mm-hmm. there's like uh you have an s you have a robo flask you have a robo flask um but and there's bonfires that's like yeah, but that, that's kind of it's kind of the the healing system and the bonfires are kind of the things that I would say are soulsy in it. Yeah, um, definitely. And I guess there's the countering, but like I don't really feel like that's. I don't know. Uh, Dishonored is a bit souls-like, you know. <laughs> I'll give them that. Uh, you know, melee, melee combat, um, or yeah. y- or you get like Battlefront, where it's like, okay, this is a, a multiplayer this shooter. This is Battlefield. It's the Battlefield game. Yeah. Yes, it's Battlefield, but set but in Star less. Wars. And, you know, mm-hmm. more arcadey, I guess. Uh, yeah. And, like, that's – and I'm not – I don't, like – I mean, I I don't dislike either of those games. But it is, like, there was sort of a – there's a, there's a way in which you were trying to hit a big market with that, right? Where yeah. it's, like, yeah. Revenge of the Sith is, like, directly targeting the audience of, like, grandmas buying games for their kids, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's just a very different thing. If I recall correctly, I'm also pretty sure the Revenge of the Sith game came out – I want to say it came out after the movie, but I might I, I might be wrong. Yeah, I'm not sure which one it is. Um, but also, I love the Revenge of the Sith games for like the weird, al- like the funny alternate endings. Yes, have. yeah. Like the, the dark, the dark Obi. Is there like a dark Obi Wan ending? Oh, the only one I've seen is the one where Anakin one? wins and like kills Obi Wan. Just like yeah. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, I, I don't know. I, I especially miss the Battlefront games of that era, the pandemic. A rebellion made one. Yes. Mm-hmm. I think yeah, it was pandemic. It was pandemic, Studios. yeah. Because they um, then le- then they got acquired by EA and made Dishonored Four. Jeez. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's the thing um, is like like Battlefront is also like a big multiplayer shooter, but it's very idiosyncratic, I think, for comparison. Yeah, and I love you know what that game had in regards to like couch co-op and single player modes, like Galactic Conquest, yes. Rise of the Empire mm-hmm. and stuff. That like that shit was absolutely rules. Right, and I just think and, like, that still has a lot to offer and yeah to me today. Th- that like th- that like formal like the fact that there's like like kind of like almost strategy game-esque campaign multiplayer modes is truly i mean like cool right like it's neat yeah and you like know? Um, you can put a disc in your ps2 go into a large-scale space combat match fly your you know your vehicle into the en- an enemy carrier take out the shield from the inside go back out of the ship and then bomb it and then blow it up like yeah yeah the opportunity space to do cool shit in that game is like pretty boundless um yeah which is like cool and like i mean that stuff is kind of like in the later games but it's just there's um i don't know 
it's just different. I don't, I don't know. I, I feel like I'm I'm waxing nostalgic for an age I was not like super present. Like I didn't get a console until like 2008. Yeah. Right? And so this is like an era of games. Like I like I played Battlefront 2 at a friend's house and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Right. Like I, you know, had experiences with it, but was not like in yeah in conversation I guess. Right. Yeah. I was I was definitely very much of that era. Yeah. Which I don't like to you know, fall under nostalgic patterns all that often, but the PlayStation was pretty cool too. Yeah, I yeah. I recent I recently watched the the gameplay from the canceled third Battlefront game, and I was like, dang, that could have been, but okay. you know, whatever. <laughs> there, well, yeah, but there's like a real like, you know, what if thirteen thirteen had come out? Star Wars thirteen thirteen, right? And yeah, like, yeah, that you know. I mean, that doesn't – I don't think that game would have been good, right? But there is, like, a very interesting sort yeah. of, like, alternate history there, right, that I think like – Like, with LucasArts in general. Mm-hmm, yeah. Because that's also, like yeah. – I mean, that's a tradition thing, right? Because you're working on that Star Wars game that never comes out for, like, you know, who's got, like, a week or whatever. Yeah. Um, like, or and then – I don't know. And it, this, through playing the PS2, I'm also, like, getting back on the nostalgia wagon for the PSP, which you can't really get – anymore because i feel like all the batteries in those things have popped oh i know i I know friends who have them but like yeah like i don't really know like i I found mine at like at my parents house and the battery bulged out of it which is a bummer but like i remember that there's a battlefront game exclusive exclusively for the psp i want to say it was called something squadron rebel squadron maybe oh it's yeah i i know maybe like command squadron united yeah something along those lines yeah it was played and it was like it was interesting because it was like you're like a little strike force in the in these large scale missions, but doing like almost like commando stuff. I don't know. Yeah. That game was cool. Yeah, I'm. I and mean, that's like, also yeah. like on the on the list of like Star Wars games that I want to play. I think it also came out on DS. I don't know, and I'm sure there's like a difference. I'm sure they're like different games. Um, yeah, they have to be. <laughs> yeah, that's also something that's like truly wild. Is that the the idea that like you get a totally different version of a game on a handheld console, right? Mm-hmm. Like, can you imagine if, like, it's like, okay, there's the Fallen Order Xbox game, like the Fallen Order phone game, you know? Yeah, it's like... It just doesn't happen like, anymore. Like, oh, I loved playing Call of Duty World at War on my DS. Yeah, which, like, you could do, right? Which you, yeah, you totally could there's do. A, there's, like, a Black Ops game for DS, too, I think. Which there is. And there's one for Vita. Yeah. Black Ops the Classified. Yeah. Which is yeah, I I feel like there's, I always forget that there's an Uncharted video game. That's also like that was also very bad. Yeah, I, had a Vita I think for those like two years. I think the Vita. I I think the Vita is a cool console. People, I know people who like have a lot of affection for it, but I don't think the thing it was successful at was like porting the console experience to yeah. your hands. Right. I th- like yeah, I think the closest they got with that was like ripping up the the Killzone game, which is actually pretty cool. Yeah, I forget what it's I forget what it's called. Was it Resistance? No, it was like Killzone. Killzone Mercenary, maybe? Because you're like a mercenary in the Killzone universe. Oh. And it was like these like small, right. I think almost like Medal of Honor heroes ish. Okay. Games. Oh, okay. I, I think I think there's also a Resistance game for Vita. I'm not sure about that one. Yeah. There's a Resistance. There's, I think, two resist- Resistance games for PSP, which is cool. They're like third person. Oh, interesting. Um, I sort of wonder about. Uh, this is the thing. My, my brain is cursed. Because anytime I see like a franchise of video games, I'm like, oh yeah, what if I played all those? Resistance is bad. Three, I think. 
I have a fondness for Rose X Men Speedy. Yeah. Um, I know there's a Justin Howard. There's a crazy creature. Wild yeah, there is creature like like Half Life Two, you know. Yeah, it's very of that mold. But I remember Rose X Men One, especially Two, being like even when I was younger, being like these are these are terrible. <laughs> but Resistance is cute. I played through split screen with my friends, so I have a, f- a warmness in my heart for it in that regard. Right, right, um, right. Yeah. But I don't... I remember there's some weird story stuff in that game and the way it frames some military stuff is pretty lame, but... Man, I'm another piece of butt. Are those, the, are those Insomniac games that that uh, are? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, they are. Yeah. Um, I'm just thinking of Super Insomniac. Yeah, that's also weird because they've... I mean, just I guess it shows the way, like, I mean, first of all, we were talking about how games have changed over the past little while because it's like, Insomniac is now making open world type yeah. games. Mm-hmm. They're making, like, you know, the IP game. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, which isn't novel to me. Yeah. And, like, 10 years ago, they were. Oh, my God. What was the. Was it Insomniac? I think it was Insomniac. Because this was before. What was the really good Xbox game they made? Uh, where you can grind and stuff. I don't want to say it was really good. It was, fu- it was fun. I don't even know. Because I, I guess I think of them as like a Sony company. Right? Mm. Not necessarily. It might be even a developer though. Yeah. I wonder if Because uh, they did. I guess, I guess the lineage to Spire makes sense. Because they also did Infamous, right? <laughs> yeah, fuck Infamous. <laughs> Jeez, uh, you know that's that that's that whole representation representation in, in games you want. Is, is oh, that's right. I forgot that it his name is Cole. Cole McGrath, the infamous guy. Oh my god, you're the the bald, angry, infamous man. Yeah, I mean, his weird like southern nice. friend whose name is like Skeet or something. Oh my god, I forget. <laughs> um. Sunset Overdrive was that was ins- Insomniac, right? Oh or no, that's uh, I don't know. It's not Insomniac though, but it is like it is like a name studio. Okay, one of those one of those same studios. Yeah, I'm like part of me is like it's rare, but it's not. It's not rare. <laughs> it's not rare. Uh, I'm gonna look that up. Um, Sunset Overdrive. No, it is Insomniac. Okay, you're right. You're right. Okay, fuck, yeah. Yeah, okay, and 100%. Then they, before, before that, they had shown a game, I want to say E3, maybe like 2009, that was this colorful third-person hero-ish Oh, yes. That became and then like, like two, yeah. And then two years later, it just became this like homogenized, like, direct, like EA direct. It was yeah. brown and Well, no, it looked mean. like it was kind of like... The Incredibles with guns was like how I exactly. read that first trailer, right? Fuse, right? I think that was the mm. initial title, yeah, the end title of some kind of thing. Yeah. Um. I remember that game looked so cool when they showed it at that E3. I was like, wow. Yeah. Like my 14, or however old I was in 2011, brain was like that. Do you remember? I just did that on purpose. The Brother in Arms that I don't think ever released that was like <laughs> the um, like goofy uh, one. The Brothers in Arms, something like Furious Seven or something. Something, I mean, yeah, like it's very like we want to do Inglorious Bastards is like their tone. Yeah, which is a bummer because Hell's Highway, the one like the legit game before that, ends on a big cliffhanger leading into the Battle of the Bulge, and like that oh, game really? never happened. Oh. Yeah, a ghost, a ghost, a ghost comes up to you in the, at the end and is like, "You should get a coat. It's gonna snow." And yeah. your army man's like, the army man's like, "What? 
and then a good kick customer. Is it ghosts? The brothers in arms story, there's ghosts, there's visions. <laughs> Are these ghosts? We got brothers in arms, visions. That's a that's a big soft spot for those games. Those games are cool. Yeah, that's I mean that's that's interesting. I like Again, <laughs> that's also one of those things where it's like I like watch gameplay because you see footage of brothers in arms and I'm like, I I think I should play all of those and it's like no, I don't you like I still haven't played Silent I mean, Hill. <laughs> I played Silent I mean, Hill. I'd I'd, I'd say you should play Brothers in Arms. Those games are cool. They're short too, but okay, what what's really fun? What's really funny is uh, in Hell's Highway, the th- I guess the third game in the series, right? Um, on the on the three sixty is like, it's super serious. The narrative itself is actually like it's pretty good. Um, I I'm, I have a soft spot for the story anyway, but the game also has this totally tonally out of place, weird, burnout esque slow-mo camera that goes into place if you like throw like a good grenade and it just like oh closes right. in on like the way like bodies just like get you know absolutely eviscerated by shrapnel when you throw a grenade and it's it's just like what is happening that's truly wild like you'll go from a cutscene like of like a french or like belgian partisan like talking about how he's he fears for his like 14 year old son who is going to resistance like against his against his father's commands and like two minutes later you throw a grenade and it does like this slow-mo like and it makes like a sound it's it's very good <laughs> that's yeah i mean that's just video game space is dialectic yeah yeah that game also is it has a lot of first person cutscenes, and then it has right. a lot of like more directed like you know just like normal game cutscenes. yeah I, I i like when games sort of do i mean have multiple perspective stuff which also I feel like is more common. There's sort of like a uni- I feel like now there's sort of a more unified cinematic language or like storytelling language of like a certain scale of game. I mean, maybe there was yeah. not in the first game. But then maybe the next Brothers Arms game will be a, a 20 hour one shot. Will it be? <laughs> yeah, it's just like. I don't, I don't. It's so. I mean, I guess it kind of had a resurgence in cinema too because of like 1917. Yeah, I mean like the Warner has been, the Warner has been a big talking point in cinema. I'd say ever since, I mean, it's always been a thing. But post that first season of True Detective that has that like six minute, right? Okay, like, yeah. It's like it's like a four it's like a four minute runner of one end, like two minutes of it. Or like so there's some like you know some people that are like, but I think since then, I think that moment and then just like general, yeah, YouTube the YouTubeization of like film theory has made. The concept of the Warner more noticeable and available right. to well, like the average like viewer the and like a lot of people who use Warners, like directors, they just do it for the sake of having a Warner, so it's very noticeable in usually the worst ways. And I think people really latch onto that. It's like, yeah. whoa, the camera never cuts. Like Look how cool this is, and it's like, it's yeah, there's no intent behind it. Yeah, well, there's like Birdman too, I guess. And there was that German movie oh. that came out like 2011. I think Gloria it's called. Yeah, the thriller. I think so. Yeah, I, I hear that movie's good, but that is also is one good. with. Um, There's also, I think, from like 2000, early 2000s Russian Ark, that 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 movie that's about pretty sure like ghosts and the Russian Museum. It's it's all a Warner. Okay. Yeah, well, I was just gonna say that like Children of Men feels like the origin point for some of that stuff. Oh yeah. And even like the way, like I I haven't seen that movie, but we watched a clip of it in the international cinema class I was in, and because I was on the movies they showed that semester, mm-hmm. and um. And I, I was, like, watching it. I was, like, yeah, this could be, like, a Gears of War 
thing, right? Like, it's all sort of behind the shoulder, and, like, there's scenes where, like, you know, uh, Clive Owen's, like, getting cover <laughs> and stuff, right? Yeah, like, he's pressing I, X to get in the cover. You know, um, but, like, at the same time, it feels like that has, like, carried on in games in a weird sense. Like, like it's just the, the – like, I also know that, like, Cory Balrog – this is a truly critical fact, so I apologize oh, if this no. is you. But Cory Balrog – so he used to work at Crystal Dynamics – um, and when they were working on the Team Team Raider reboot, he was like, "We should do one after this, <laughs> like you know, the whole thing should be." And so this has been his like pet idea for like ten years or something. That's so lame. Yeah. Um, well, it also I just mean, proves that it's not like it's not about, it's not like doing something in God of War really. Like it's, I mean, yeah. maybe, you know, maybe it is, but like the intent of it is technical. It's not um, narrative or like aesthetic. Yeah, it's just sheerly. Oh, it's yeah. It's like I'm doing this thing. So this is just a weird. Like, oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. I was gonna say like, if you compare like the God of War winner to like one of. I mean, like Spielberg is very good at winners. It's like his, the hidden Spielberg winner is like a, it's like a concept in and of itself. And yeah. Like, you can watch a lot of Spielberg movies and not tell that some scenes are just winners. Right. Um, well, I think that's and sort like of the thing is you get lost in it, right? And yeah. And you, you forget that you're looking at the same thing. Or yeah, something. which is, I think, is when, like, the functionality of the winner on top of, like, thematic intent meets in a way that makes the winner unique and actually worthwhile, wherein, like, whereas in the likes of, you know, 1917 or, like, a lot of more, like, modern action fed, like, the winner is the spectacle itself. Right. And it is, like, I don't know, and sometimes I'm, like... Which I like, I don't know, there's I a like couple... 19, I like 1917. Yeah. But, you know, it, uh, it's definitely, like, look what I'm doing. Yeah. I haven't I haven't seen that, but there's also, like... I would say even Clone Wars has, like, a couple, like, action-y wonders. Yeah. Right? Especially but in like, last season. Yeah, but it's like, oh, those are cool. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I get it. But, like, yeah. And then also, not to go on a tangent, but there's, like, a very deliberate cut to black in 1917 that is, like, incredible. And just that just no one talks about that. Right, right. Well, I think that's also the thing is, like, the way it got talked about was... It's also marketed. Very. You know, like, it's... I I don't know. Marketing... I think marketing shapes so much of how we talk about stuff in a way that's, like, deeply troubling to me that, like, I hate, like, the way... Yeah. Like, I don't know. Like, I I think 1917 was probably sold on its winner. Yeah. Much like God of War was. Well, like, you know, and, like, I'm not even saying... I'm not even saying that, like, this is good movie but uh, i'm forgetting the name it's the revenant right like that was sort of like all the interviews leading up to that movie coming out were like this was so heroin deep and shit right (laughs) like this was miserable and to me that's like this is not a selling point for this movie right but that's like what you want to see these human beings having a terrible time in the wilderness right and so yeah it's um yeah there's a weirdness there for sure and the way, like, and I, I think stuff like that, like, really does, like, I mean, I, I think, like, Overwatch was genuinely considered, like, a a progressive game for a while, like, longer than it should have been because it was, like, sold on. Yeah. You know. Jeff, Jeff Kaplan, our idealist hero. Yeah. Um, and, like, you know, that I mean, that really sort of, it, like, backfired once it's, like, okay, we've oh, introduced, absolutely. like, eight heroes and there's no black lane in this game. Like, what's going on? Right? Yeah, like, you've introduced, you know. like, a gerbil and a giant mech ball. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, okay, you becomes, like, absurd. Play. Yeah, like, you can't. <laughs> you've, and, then, and then you're sort of, like, oh, yeah, like, a lot of these characters are, like, straight up, 
very high risk of being on the yeah, other side. Terrible. This is not. Um, this is this has become feasible like for the game that more that way anymore. But that's because like we're distant from the way the game was marketed as like here's the movie to get to it. Right there, it, it becomes a thing, you know, mm-hmm. that is in the world and that you. But like I feel like that that like takes time almost like. I don't know, like I mean, I, I mean this time I guess I guess we could like this we've been sort of talking more. I mean we've talked about posters and stuff, but I I played Disco Elysium. Yeah, yeah. Which I feel like this is that's a game that just sort of happened to. Um, because like the Chapo, pe- two Chapo people are in it, doing voice acting. Um, and the mm-hmm. first like half hour of the game, especially the first like day, is. Mm-hmm pretty like abrasive like you meet this like huge racist guy and there's like kids yelling slurs and stuff and so i feel like the the discourse around that game is really centered both on like it's essential (laughs) idea there's like a game from the left right and on these sort of like tension points of like people being extremely vile in their video games right which I think, uh, which is, I think some of which is, like, fair and understandable, but also just, like, a weird way of, like, talking about that game and sort of, you know, capitalism and stuff. Yeah. I want to play that game. I, I, I don't think I need to sell you on it, but, like, I think it, I'm convinced <laughs> this is a cool game. <laughs> yeah, it, like, it I seems like it. I just, I'm just, I'm just biding my time before it c- comes to Switch or Xbox. Yeah. And I think like I could feasibly. Be. Go ahead. Like I feasibly could. Pl- I feasibly could play it on my MacBook, but I use what I like my MacBook for my nine to five job, and like there's so much stuff that just happened there that's like better. Yeah. Like well, and also you like there's a mental thing there too about like playing games on your computer that you just yeah. Don't know. I don't. Yeah. After like five thirty p.m., I don't want to see my computer. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I hey, I feel you. <laughs> <laughs> I say as I stare into my monitor. That I was looking at yeah. for eight hours today. <laughs> so, um, but yeah. No, I, I, I don't know. I, I don't need to be. I think there is, like, I think there is, like, legitimate question of, like, because the game does let you, like, be be horny, right? Like, be yeah. truly a... And, like, yeah, uh, there's was, a certain level of, like, you're kind of always a shithead in that game, right? Even if you're, like, the nicest, sorriest person alive, um, you are still kind of, like, fucked up. And I, there's an honesty to that that I appreciate. Um, but the game really lets you be horrible in ways that are not just – it's not like Natural Republic where it's like, oh, you're going to join the dark side. It's like very sort of human and like recognizable <laughs> yeah, yeah, awfulness, yeah. right? Um, Does, do you know if the game not makes good on that, but if there's an arc to like choosing to pay, play through like the cruel, racist, I, vile so path? Is like, is there so, is like, does it come around or is it just like, yes, um, you can, you I can know choose these horrible dialogue options? I know that there is a piece for Fanbyte and a piece for Uppercut, I think, by two different writers, like, arguing that it does pay off, that, that there is worth in having that stuff in it. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I, I can't say for myself. I'm, like, the thing is I'm curious about it, but I know I would have a hard time actually playing it, right? Yeah, absolutely. If that's the path I want. But I do know that, like, him, I mean, your companion who, um, I mean, not, it's it's weird because it's a very, like, the entire world's fictional, right? But it's in very analogous circumstances to the modern world, um, and so that you know your your partner, your you know detective partner is uh, Asian man, 
right? That's not mm-hmm. what he's called in the game because he's a different continent at the same, you know, a different planet, right? Uh, cause people are racist to him and stuff, and like, I think you can alienate him, and he can just leave at a certain point, right? Because he's yeah. just like a bad dude. Um, and you know, and I, I think that like that is, I'm I don't know if that's like enough, and I think also there's like an element of like I don't know how much didacticism really like does anything for anybody, you know. Um, like I don't know if anybody like playing the game is who is a racist and does racist stuff and then gets called racist by the game. Like I don't know if that like does anything, right? Yeah. Um, but I do think it, it does seem like the game's like pretty aware and like you know calls a spade a spade, right? Like it's not, um, it's not shying away from that stuff, right? Which is like a lot more mm-hmm. than a lot of video games, or you could say most video games, right? hoping to see it online on consoles or whatever yeah i hope i, th- I mean they, i know they Sony said it would happen but i can imagine things were a little um yeah i don't know chaotic there but um, well it's also clearly a game i mean like there's a reason it came out on pc all the way before anything else right like it's um it's interface wise a, a crpg yeah um yeah and like it's isn't like a very very crpg in the sense that like it's just very text heavy it's text heavy, yeah, because it's like I mean, most of the game's reading, right? There's actually the voice yeah, the acting voice, yeah. is like pretty sparse, which I like, um, mm-hmm. and most of it's reading, and then like a lot of it is like the thing is, it actually it's kind of adventure gamey almost because it's like kind of exploring environment and like solving puzzles, and then the way you solve those puzzles is like dependent on how you built out your character, right? That's awesome. Um, so there's yeah, it, it has a really like it's it's interesting because there, there's an element and I think it fits it because it's a detective game. There's an element of like logical deduction or almost like okay, like can I like I know I have this check over here that requires like body stuff, which I'm not good at, but maybe if I put on the right clothes or like I internalize the right thought, maybe that's a system in that game, right? <laughs> then I can like get the right stats so I can go do the thing, right? And that's mm-hmm. like um, it's very cool. I think it's very neat. Yeah, I think it's neat. And the art, the game's gorgeous. Yes, it's really beautiful. And I think it also shows, like, um, like, and I think, I mean, this is part of the thing is the world of it's, like, very sort of fractured. And, like, um, like for folks who don't, who don't know, basically this is a game about you're, like, this detective who wakes up in his hotel room that he's crashed and he doesn't remember anything. Um, and you have to solve a murder. There was a guy hanged in the backyard of the hotel. And, you know, Kim, your partner, shows up to, you know, kind of get your act together and to, you know, solve the murder, right? Um, and it's kind of in the middle of this, like, union strike. Um, and, you know, the person who was killed is, like, a paramilitary type who was, like, sent to, you know, quote-unquote, keep the peace. And so there's a lot of, like, internal tensions the community that are exemplified by this murder. And then mm-hmm. the broader thing is um, the country you're in, the city you're in, was like ground zero of a communist revolution like 50 years ago that was violently destroyed by um, like liberal democracy basically. Like, you know, the the EU came in and put a stop to it. <laughs> yeah. You know? Um, and so there's a lot. And like the thing is that, you know, the country never really recovered, right? And so the, the signs of the war are still everywhere, right? Um, so there's a real sense of like fracturedness of history, of like haziness that like the painterly like brushstroke quality of the art I think really starts to make the game too um, yeah yeah 
I mean, I think that's the I thing. Wish, I really wish I could say that's true. Yeah, well, I, I think I mean, it's I like could, but it kind of reminds me of your of your nonfic piece about climate change cinema and stuff because it's very much about like looking at a world that is like dying or like fundamentally changing, right? Mm-hmm. And sort of trying to like come to grips with that or like live through that or through that. And that's like the thing is it's I, the thing I think I really like about it. And this is also part of the thing that I wonder about, like you know the the sort of negative the bad and like racist like dialogue choices is that, like, being a good person or, like, trying to change is hard. And, like, everything you sort of find out about the character you play, Harry, Harry the boy, is, like, he was a shithead. Like, he was a bad guy, (laughs) right? And, like, you know, even on his best days, it's, like, a lovable scamp, right? Like, he's a mess. And the game's really honest about that being sort of, like, difficult to work through, right? Mm -hmm. And not, like, it doesn't... You know, I don't, I don't think it necessarily lands all that stuff, right? I don't think it's perfect at it. But, like, I do think um, it's not like a redemption arc, right? It's just about a broken person trying right. to. I mean, for me, right, just what, how I play the game, right? It's about a broken person, like, trying his best to make amends and, like, constantly failing, right? Um, and uh, and that, I found yeah. that, like, you know, occasionally quite moving. Um, yeah. I wonder how, in you going from playing that, discussing you're working through that game and being like you're working through like the worst trash you've ever encountered like your your own space and stuff is i wonder how that would tie in to you playing or starting in milwaukee or like the north yeah um which i'm super excited for you to play and also i was 100 percent convinced it was out on switch and i don't think it is because i said i was gonna oh, play this i weekend. think it's i think it is soon oh i think I it is soon. sure but i've seen people being like oh i'm really loving this on switch but i think i might have just like manifested that in my <laughs> maybe yeah i mean <laughs> it happens it does happen I, I'm trying. There was a game earlier. Okay, isn't that on Switch? Wasn't it on Switch? I think Disco Elysium was that game actually, because I think it, it like listed it on backlog that it's on Switch. Yeah, and so I, I was like, I oh think, yeah. I think there. I think I thought there was a game on Switch that I could hop on and play. Yeah, I just. Um, yeah, I, and especially since like and like not, um, Disco Elysium is a game like, and I don't think it necessarily handles the elements and stuff like fully, but it's 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 very clearly like a game by like a white creative team, right? Like a European yeah. creative team, right? Um, and that, like, it feels very, like, reminiscent of that. There are parts of it that really remind me of, like, living in Germany, especially East Germany, right? Um, and so I don't think that's bad, but it is, like, it'll be interesting to to play something that is about the world falling apart that is from the perspective of, you know, I think indigenous people, people of color, right? Which is, like, I think the way you think through that and view it is just very, very different, right? Because in a lot of ways, it, it, you know, it already happened, right? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. And the thing is, there's not, I don't know, I, I would like to, apparently the, you know, one of the writers, like, has done stuff in this setting, like, run tabletop and, like, written a novel in this setting and stuff. Wow. Um, so I'm curious, like, I wonder if that novel is, like, I mean, it's probably not translated. Maybe people are working on it now, but I would be yeah. curious about it, right? Because um, always, yeah, it's always, I mean, video game novelizations slash times are fairly they used to be more common than they are now but yeah they were definitely and are definitely a thing but it's always interesting when a quote-unquote indie title has a game centered just in the universe of the game itself and like directly tied to the consequences of the game like i know Mm -hmm. that banner saga has a novel that's really tied to that world oh i didn't know that either which i also i think those games are will probably fit in the same you know, general yeah. realm of topics and discussion that Milwaukee's been working on. 
uh, Disco Elysium and just like watching through like almost like the like, like through like the end times. Right. Yeah. I'm I really I'm I really like those Dance Saga games. I like those games a lot. Yeah, I'm I'm curious about. I have the first one I think, so maybe I'll give it back some time. And it'd I also be interesting yeah. to see like because I think it's ex Bioware devs, right? Who like founded yeah. the studio, and like what that like kind of trying to make choice based games like away from that apparatus like looks <laughs> like, right? <laughs> it's better. Um, I'm sure it is. That's not the. <laughs> <laughs> um, but you know, there's there's an interesting like material element there that mm-hmm. would be interesting to see. I think that's also something that like I don't I don't want to like. Um, I think people like hyped up Disco Elysium in a way that is both like true to it and unfair to it, right? Um, mm-hmm. I think people were like, "This is this is unlike anything in video games." And the fact is, like to me, like stuff like I mean, Midgar is a mess, but like a lot of the stuff in Midgar, like Final Fantasy VII, these are stories that are like equally interesting to me and like politically involved, right? Just sort of maybe mm-hmm. in different directions, and it, you know they don't say communism or fascism, right, in Final Fantasy. <laughs> You know, there's <laughs> not a there's not a communist trait <laughs> that you could get, right? Things like that. Um, so I understand that that existed, but I think, uh, um, but I was just gonna say, like at the same time, I think the fact that like this is a setting that they've been working in for a while, right, and that yeah. really feels like it has history and weight and time in it um, makes a big difference because like I think video games can feel really like weightless or like self centered, right? Absolutely. And you just never feel like that. Like, there's always you are really like a person in that world that's surrounded, and like that doesn't mean there's there's some jankiness about being a player character, right? And the game like very smartly does stuff with that, you know, like it's kind of about that. Um, but like, I just I I think it is it is refreshing, right? It's not not mm-hmm. every game does this, right? Yeah. Um, no, I think in part that's what that's what has made. Assassin's Creed Valhalla is so compelling despite everything I don't like about it is like yeah. it feels like one of the first game Ubisoft open world games in Assassin's Creed games like with games of that scale that makes you feel like you're in like a genuine world with different like rich history and then also mm-hmm. that game also feels like less like you're playing through the end times but there's that sense of like melancholy and like deep sadness that comes with this like sweeping change yeah. Mm-hmm. When I, I think I, I don't know, it's tough because I think there is like, and I think this is true of Disco Elysium too, because I think there's like an inherent conservatism to stories that are about the world changing and you being left behind. Like, like Red Dead Redemption 2 is like the, the pinnacle <laughs> example of this, where it's like mourning yeah. the West as an ideal, right? That's like deeply racist. And the game has like a bunch of other problems too, right? But that's like, the, the very premise of it is very broad, right? <laughs> to say the least. Yeah, absolutely. Um, but, like, at the same time, I think I really, like, I vibe with them a lot, right? And I think, like, uh, yeah. Assassin's Creed Origins is kind of about that, too. Like, a lot of that game it is, is about Bayek and, and Aminette, like, mourning the possibility of the normal life they could have had, right? Yeah. And that stuff is, like, so beautiful and effective. Um, yeah. Yeah. Rough it. Man, yeah. I, I mean, you, I mean, I, like, you know, you know this about Ubisoft, but it is truly wild that, like, our... Ayev is gonna be like the main character of that game, and like they just I know. push back. And I mean, she still gets like cool stuff to do in it, right? And I also yeah. like I love Bayek to pieces, um, but me too. It's truly wild that like this is. I mean, they just you know the 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 way the administration structure of Ubisoft is like completely just changed. didn't allow that. It's not gonna be easy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm ex- I'm excited to maybe play 
Yeah, I would. I think I would like to. I mean, you've given me like a pitch for the cre- and like even even Rob on Waypoint being like, "This is basically The Witcher now." I'm like, "Yeah, you know, I like The Witcher still. It is. <laughs> yeah, like I like that. I like that video game. So I'll play another one of those. Yeah, you know exactly. Um, I mean, yeah, it sure. I mean, it sure is already. It's better than the other big RPG that's coming out for this year. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. Uh. That's about that that's anymore. next week, right? Yeah, it's Septem- December 10th. So I guess in eight oh days. Oh, no. Yeah, I, I think, I don't know. I think in two weeks it'll be, two weeks after that, we, it'll, it'll be fine. But there will be a yeah. period of insufferable discourse for all of that. Yeah, I know that uh, that game is going to be a problematic phase, quote-unquote, for a lot of people. Yes, yeah. Which, it's, I mean, if you play it, if you like it, it keep it to yourself. If you just... Whatever. I don't. Whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Like, I, I think there is like. I feel like a lot of people are gonna be taking it as a prob- problematic phase in that regard, and then like staunchly defending it. Yeah. Well, I mean, people do that with like Persona Five, right? Oh like, yeah, for sure. You know, or like yeah, yeah, whatever. Or even even The Witcher Three, right? Like I'm not. <laughs> oh know, yeah, absolutely. Even though I I I like like that game a lot, there's it's it's got plenty of issues. It's got plenty of problems. Um, yeah. Yes. But uh. Yeah, I, I think it, it's tricky because I do think there is, like, there's an undue emphasis, I think, particularly in game spaces we are in, on, like, consumption as practice, right? That it's, like, yeah, like, if you sort of get out of, like, AAA spaces, then, like, you should consume video games in a way that is, like, net good. And to be clear, I think it is good to play indie games and play games like smaller games and, and like, you mm-hmm. know, do that stuff. I'm not saying that's not good, but it doesn't free you from capitalism, right? You don't get to separate yourself out from that because it's yeah. like, oh, I'm playing I'm playing more on Ethan Wilson's than whatever, right? Even though, like, yeah, yeah, like, I think people should play more on Ethan Wilson's than Cyberpunk. But I think, like, I, I think there needs to be a more nuanced conversation about, like, um, like, what do we, what do we do to make a better world? And, like, mm-hmm. not, and not always, like, framing it through the lens of, like, how do we consume better? Because I don't think that's, like, a very appropriate question yeah i think that conversation in regards to that should come far before we even talk about consumption yeah and that isn't to say like i think i think you should i think you can and should have lines and be like okay here's like here's you know here's something i will not engage with right yeah um stuff like that but and i feel like like cyber cyber cyberpunk is a fine contestant to stand up on yes for sure for sure um like you know, I I'm I'm not buying it. <laughs> that's that's the thing. Yeah, I'm gonna. But I'm gonna pass. Um, but like I do think, you know, at the same time, like, um, it's not it's not a sign of of something to super mean for, right? Um, I, I, yeah, unless exactly. it is like, unless there was like a strike at CD Projekt Red and they were actively trying to buy the game, or like things like that, right? Like there, then yeah, it's yeah, like yeah, there yeah. is like a clear yeah. sort of line. Yeah that you're taking and there's like a concerted communal effort to like Like make change through something Mm -hmm. right which is really really different than being like i don't feel comfortable playing this this game yeah right so like if that if that does not happen and you go out and you buy that game and you enjoy it and you keep it and that it is what it is and like you're not like yeah you're a bad person no yeah but i but but i do think i i would i would i think it is good to question like okay well like why why am I spending my money on this and not this? But I think there is there exactly. is a point 
where that like trips me into the language of capitalism, right? Where it's like okay, yeah, like, like the whole Jordan with your wallet. Yes, like I can fix I can fix worker conditions by only buying games with good working conditions. And it's like guess what? That's not a thing. <laughs> like you yeah. know the conditions of capitalism make things bad for everyone, even if someone's living independently, right? And that's not their fault, and it's not bad. They're not doing something wrong. It just is what the shape of the world is, right? <laughs> and you can't like and and you know. There are ways to, like, move outside of that and, like, do stuff outside of that, but very few of them are going to be, like, if at all, buying video games is not <laughs> one of those things. Yeah. You know. And then, like, for uh, sure. All of that and all that being said, the third, I am genuinely curious to see what Cyberpunk looks like on, like, an Xbox One yeah. S or, like, base PS4. I don't know. Yeah, there's like I'll a. I mean, I'll is it the weird like straddling generations thing? Um, yeah, I don't know. I think I think it'll be interesting to see yeah. what that game looks like. I'm sure like that game is that game is doing a lot. I don't like what it's doing, but it's doing a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, well, what, what, I don't know. What else? What else have we been up to? We've been, I mean, we've both um, been playing Dark Souls 3. Yeah, we have. And I'm really enjoying Dark Souls. It's good. Yeah. I know. I'm not super passionate enough to say I've been super yeah. well, I think this is. It clicked with me. I think this is fun, though, because, like, I'm, I mean, I'm not as happy. It's like, I've never played Demon Souls, right? Um, yeah. But I played Dark Souls 1 and 2 and Sekiro. Um, the Sekiro is kind of different, though, but I like Dark Souls 1. Right. Um, <laughs> you know. So like I I like have experience with the thing you don't, but I think that's like a fun contrast, right? It's not really yeah, no, definitely. I think it's definitely really vibing with Dark Souls three. Mm-hmm. For sure, I think it's it's incredibly relaxing and weird. Yeah, I I get there not, with like those it's not, things it's quick yeah. now, um, but it took me like a long it's not to get something there. I play to like it's not I, I'm never gonna play to de stress, but once I'm like clicked and like vibing with with it, just the, like the vast quietness of it all up until like the big boss fight and like mm-hmm. the sort of distance that that game evokes and sort of feels and like like the rich sense of like history and finality to it is like both very bleak but it's like weirdly like relaxing like i know the stakes and i know yes i think ahead. that's exactly i think that's exactly it. it's like you understand like the borders of that world and like what like there's a there is a there's a certainty to what happens when you die in that game that is like deeper than it's ever been, right? Yeah. Because um, like, I mean, I'm not say, like obviously games like I, I don't know Uncharted or whatever are like more forgiving, but like not knowing where the checkpoint is, right, is like a point of tension, you know? And like, yeah, for sure. You always know where it is in Dark Souls, and there's sort of a certainty that comes with that, that I think is like that provides the stakes yeah. for this game. I think. Um, mm-hmm. Also, I'm like. Well, like six, six-ish hours in, maybe seven. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm spending a lot of time in that one area, but I already have like six Estus flasks. Yeah. Like I have six, you know, sipped out of my Estus flasks. I, 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 I didn't know if I was got lucky and got those relatively quickly, or like, do you end up getting a decent amount of those as it goes on? Yeah, usually you do get more of them, and they're usually item-based, so like you can, like if you find, you know, one earlier. I'm trying to think if I have, I think I have six now too. 
Like, I think I have one for the spell casting and for the... Oh, uh, yeah. I don't have any for the spell. I, I put it all on the Epic, because... Yeah. I, I've never watched, like, any build videos or anything for this game. I'm just, like, play. I'm just, like, a dude with a shield and a sword, and I'm kind of going with that right yeah. now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I think the thing is, like, that's, that's something that's really difficult to do about these games, I think, is that um, how that stuff works is actually, like, pretty intuitive. Um, or at least, like, it's it's hard to really fuck up a game. Right? <laughs> <laughs> like, it's, it's difficult to, like, get to a point where it's like, okay, you, you know, like, you cannot play the game anymore right like yeah like i like i have i have a lot of health and i have a good bit of stamina and that's just i feel like i'm just playing as like the most milk like white bread milk toast knight yeah just for this first playthrough and that just it doesn't it's it's fun it feels good i know there's probably better there i know there's definitely better more like compelling ways to play it but no i I mean this first this first go around i'm just gonna i think the thing like i i mean the Gilson was talking about this on Twitter about how like all the sort of leads of playing have trade-offs, right? Um, yeah. You know, like in, in Demon Souls, like magic's really powerful, but like it also like you are less open and vulnerable to it, and like less responsive, right? Mm-hmm. Like the game becomes less actiony when you like spend like hard with magic, right? Yeah. Um. Whereas like I think and Dark Souls two and this I'm sort of playing like decks with light faith side stuff right which is like you extra healing and stuff but like that it just kind of like the way you play the game shifts based on that stuff and i don't think faith gives you faith gives you extra healing faith yeah there's like spells that you can that you heal with um if you do faith yeah i don't know that i Um, thought i thought faith was kind of like how knowledge or whatever is in bloodborne where if you get if you get enough of it you can see the the cthulhu thing is going on uh, I don't think there's anything like that, as far as I know. <laughs> it's uh, it's more like like the faith stuff is more like, I don't know, like the, the I think the way of life is what the like church is called. It's kind of like you're joining like a church or something. Like I, oh, I have faith in, in God, and so I can heal you with my faith. Is more like the, thing, in the yeah, that in like the Bloodborne. But I don't like maybe, maybe there's stuff like that in Dark Souls Three, and I just don't know. Like I don't know a ton about this game. I mean, let's not go. They play a bunch of it, like not <laughs> all of it. I think I have a beat at it. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know a whole bunch about this game. I mean, the Souls, the I mean, the FromSoft game I know the most about is Bloodborne, just because I watched a friend play through Pillars of Childhood, and I yeah, mm-hmm. that was really cool. Yeah, that's. I mean, I I don't have like a strong urge to play it or whatever. Especially like I watch my brother play it once every once in a while. I do think, um, I mean, I, like I think we'll it's a really pretty game. Yeah, I, like I think a, so. Like but a, I guess I'm a sucker for like, like fast, unrollable terror or whatever. Yeah. No, and I, I think the, the thing is the, I mean, well, I think we'll talk about this because I think you and I have some plans to write about this together. But, <laughs> but I think there is like an excess to Dark Souls Three that is very weird. Um, and that yeah, makes it's one like, and two feel very restrained in comparison. Yeah, Dark Souls Three. I haven't. I've played like an hour of Dark Souls One, but like Dark Souls Three, in the way, what the most, just the way shit looks, has like a very. And I'm not saying this in necessarily bad way, but it has like a very Warhammer fantasy vibe. Mm-hmm, yeah. Like well, I think that everything's is like, big and like big. Yeah. Well, I, th- I mean, I think there's there's an element of that that's really true to like this part of Dark Souls Three is about like basically 
you know, the beginning of Dark Souls 3 reveals that, like, Dark Souls 1 has happened, like, many, many times now. Like, someone has, like, leaked yeah. the flame or whatever, right? And so it's very explicitly about, like, um, they're just being, like, cycles and cycles of history. Um, and, you know, when I, uh, in Vienna, for example, you have a lot of, like, neo-Gothic stuff where it's, like, you have, like, almost, like, extreme Gothic features that wouldn't have been possible when the Gothic happened because, like, they have, like, real beams now. You know? Yeah. So they can do, and so there is this like exaggeration to it that like wasn't possible before, and they're just building on this idea, like trying to like recreate a history through that exaggeration, right? And I think like Dark mm-hmm. Souls Three like taps into that aesthetically, um, yeah. in a way that I think is interesting. But it is like in some ways also immediately like less sort of compelling to me than like Dark Souls has a really like. I mean, sparse is not the right word because it is like a you know it's a big game and has a lot of like set pieces and stuff in it. But there is like a there's a practical element to those spaces, right? That feels really consistent. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, there's there's areas that are exceptions to it, right? And uh, you know, yeah, I'm excited to get to the swamp with the big crab. I love big crab. He big crab is a friend. <laughs> He'll try to kill you. I mean, I'm not saying he's <laughs> I'm not saying he's a friend. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm still in that. I'm still, I'm still in that area with the um, being the giant on at the top of the elevator who wants to fight me. Yeah, you should uh, you should go you should go fight that giant. It's it's good. It's good. I love the onion though. The onion life is good. Yeah, yeah. With this one, or this one is the. Yes. Well, and that's that's how like <laughs> very similar to the character like this in Dark Souls One, um, with like certain mm-hmm. abilities and things. Yeah. Um, no, I'm super like I, I, I think I told you this the other day. Like I'm pretty much planning on getting to like a bunch of my weekends of just getting into the Dark Souls Three. Yeah. Well, uh, but yeah, you're just some mentors. <laughs> you should like. Yeah, figure I that should. Out. I probably need to, mm-hmm. or I probably will need to, especially as I get older. Yeah, and I'm also like a little bit ahead of you, and I don't want to get too far ahead. Well, I mean, I mean, I need to write. Yeah. First of all, I need to actually write something. But <laughs> um, yeah, um, think yeah, I was looking over my notes that I wrote up for that first fight. I'm pretty, I'm, I'm excited to see what it's like. Yeah, no, me too. Um, well, I guess uh, I don't know. We both played Tony Hawk, and things have been fun. Yeah, this will be. I mean, I, maybe me more than you because I. Yeah, I think you. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I've hop, I've hopped back into it some just for some end of the year stuff that is going on. I'm yeah. Working on myself and writing, and then just playing some for the the first time. It's fucking smug. It's still my eighth beer. Yeah, it's. I think it's really good. Um. I mean, I think. Uh, I think it's interesting. Like you, you wrote a piece for Polygon about um how the game has shown the way like skating culture is shifted. Um, mm-hmm. it's a really good piece, and it talks. It speaks to like the. You know, the changing of certain move names and stuff like that as, like, sort of reflective of, like, the way skating culture has become, like, more accepting and less abrasive, right, to, like, people who are not um, just white men. But there is, like, still, there's still stuff there, obviously, right? Like, I don't mean to say that. Oh, absolutely. Um, But I think there's also an interesting element that is, like, also less countercultural that, like, I mean, I guess I still haven't played the San Francisco level, but I was watching Jeff Gerson play the original Tony Hawk Pro Skater one, and there's this a goal in that where you, like, destroy cop cars in San Francisco, right? Which mm-hmm. is, like, I mean, like, not, it's not, like, you know, a 
it's not like political correct it's not like a political position but there is like a yeah like, yeah fuck you really you know i'm pretty sure in the new york level you grind that you grind some cop cars um in uh oh wait no i'm in the what am i i'm in the like baltimore level or something it's more like the movie theater and the cop car than the than the yeah that's i feel like that's city like the city no there's been names it city has streets? a it has a i mean it is streets but it is like maybe it's philadelphia i don't know i don't know if they mid there's a um philly is in two because there's like a little recreation not recreation there's like a little love letter to love park which is like oh, okay that's if that's you nice. know about skating street yeah it's like one of the famous spots in yeah the mid 90s to early 2000s where like it was like a pretty well known city of philadelphia and love park is still a thing but it's not a skate spot anymore right 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 yeah well i think that's the thing is like there was something like i mean interesting about the games i think themselves you you were at odds with the space you were trying to like work it to conform to you in a way that's like immensely impractical (laughs) right yeah like that's Um, that's like the whole project of skateboarding is like yeah your your flesh and bone put trying to push against you trying to put you're just trying to push against an immovable object you're trying to like make concrete work for you right and i I think like like that gravity is is like captured in this even though it's it's like very sort of exaggerated right especially like (laughs) yeah yeah and i i think that's that's not a bad thing right um although i would i maybe i should try out skater xl because like i like skate 3 um i like playing skate 3 but the the tone of that game like bothers me i think um in a way that like i i would love to play something that's like more grounded like that is but also has more like a somber tone almost i I don't know yeah skater xl it's like it's it feels sad and vanilla i I don't know i feel like i would love for you to play that game but i think it's it's forty dollars right i don't know if it's worth it just for me to write about it or talk about it i'm not sure like there is a big update for it coming sometime this month that's adding a bunch of stuff well, I think it also awesome. might be hard for me. Like, I, I also wonder, like, how much I could get into it if it's not, like, super structured, right? Like, if it's kind of, like... Yeah, there is no there is no structure. You know, if it's just, like, you doing stuff, then it's, like, I, that might be too hard. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, it's literally just, like, some maps and then cue you to figure out right. how you want to interact with these spaces which in, like, is, a way that compels you. Yeah, which is, like, really cool. And, like, I think certain things, certain kinds of games I would be into that. But, I don't mm-hmm. know. There, I'll, 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 you know, I'll keep them. I mean, if we're being honest, it'll probably be on Game Pass in like a year. Yeah, I mean that's true. I like yeah, if, if something like that happens, I would definitely like give it a go. Um, yeah. Uh, what else? But yeah, I don't know. I've been enjoying uh, yeah. that. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Per, sorry. Per, per, per Skate is per Skate is very fun. I was I was when I was playing early today. I was playing through the um, one of the levels in two game, and I completely forgot there's like a little challenge. It's like all it's like all the way over five bums. They could have easily not just done that. It's yeah, for know. sure. Um, it's pretty lame. There's I like know that like I'm trying to remember what exactly it was. Um, but my just because like oh, go ahead, sorry. Skateboarding has a very fraught history with homelessness into how so many skate spots in the 90s and 80s and even today are like on the fringes of cities and of urban spaces. So homeless people and skaters, there is a overlap between them, and then that some like sometimes skaters are skating where homeless people are living and right right right. there's like like so there's so many videos from the 90s with like intercuts of skaters like 
like fighting or like fucking like homeless people like like playfully with like wet with wax right yeah um like there's a uh in a early video set at love park uh one of the billy's big skaters in the early 90s ricky loyola made like a there's footage of him like pretty much stomping on like the head of a homeless person just because he's in the way of like where he's trying to grind it's like very much a thing and i think that having this all in all in of the five lens is more impactful in a negative way to like just for just like it's just shitty in general but i think if you are aware of the history between skateboarding and homelessness and how those two it's not culture it's not like homelessness is a culture but just how those two worlds clash in like pretty bad ways from like a skater's perspective in regards to how skateboarders talk about and treat homelessness yeah is it's just a bummer and like a lot of pro skaters it's not like a lucrative living or whatever like a lot of them have ended up living in cars or being in the streets for a time right yeah so there's i mean yeah that's that's sort of the there's like a really i i I don't know enough people in this but there's like a relationship with open space that like in car companies doesn't necessarily lead to right Um, yeah but like but like shitty access to things like that like that's not always true yeah it's and it's like a term thing it's not you know it's yeah it's no i i i agree um so actually we did get a couple questions i don't know if i mean maybe you have one more i don't know if you have any other ones i don't but you should hit us with this question yeah okay um let me hit us hit us with question number one this is a question from david uh rank your top three fast foods oh fuck um so i i'm gonna take this as uh as restaurants because i don't think i can do like really specific ones but maybe that's just me yeah let's just do restaurants keep it keep it keep the question our 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 question bucket let's keep it moving it's also hard because like my relationship with fast food has changed a lot because i'm pescatarian now and so a lot of fast food places are just like not i can't go there (laughs) there's like nothing for (laughs) me here right um Um, but shoot if you got something shit okay um number one i'm gonna go taco bell yeah me too (laughs) 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 number two I'll fuck with a Burger King burger, carb broiled, you know. I don't yeah, know. yeah, yeah. I think it's fine. Number three. Uh, I guess I'll just go with. Let's see. I'm st- I'm sticking to places that have drive-throughs. Okay, that's, that's fair. Like my conception of fast that's food. fair. Yeah, I get that. Um. I guess I'll say Zaxby's, and like, yeah, yeah. I guess those are my three. Like, then there's like the whole there's the whole Chick Fil A conundrum. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, just being Homeless able to. Chicken. Yeah, it's like. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, yeah, uh, but yeah, again, you know, <laughs> but again, consumption it doesn't you know doesn't have to fall into. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I guess so I think Taco Bell, Burger King, Zaxby's. That's my three. Yeah, I think that's solid. Uh, I think Taco Bell's number one for me, too. I'm, like, trying to think, like, legitimately, like, what else. Yeah, it's ki- it's kind of hard once you once you pass the Taco Bell. Yeah, well, because that's, like, the that's like the, like that's the fast food I crave, right? And actually, yeah, I wonder, like. As someone who doesn't eat meat, you know. Yeah, well, like, I do, like, I miss the, the potatoes a lot, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I do, like, wonder, because, like, I, 
the thing I've missed most being vegetarian is fried chicken. Like, especially over, like, the last year. Mm-hmm. Um, in fact, me and Emma made, like, fried uh, oyster mushrooms, you know, that were, like, very good. Um, and, like, comparable. We actually made chicken and waffles, you know, fried chicken and yeah. waffles. Those are nice. Those are really good. Um, but... Otherwise, it's, like, hard to, like, I don't even... I, I guess there's a place that's kind of fast food, but there is not a drive-thru. Uh, Booyah's. Um, <laughs> Booyah's? Booyah's. M-O-O. Oh, Mooyah. Okay. Yeah, Y-A-H. And they have, like, a really good vegan burger and, like, a really good black bean burger. And so, Ooh, like, that's, nice. that's, like, the burger place of choice uh, for cool. me these days. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, wait, I just had another one. And you know what? Okay, you know what? I mean, I, I fuck with In and Out. That's maybe number one. You know what's good in In and Out shakes? Just a slice yeah. of ice cream. Yeah, for sure. Oh shit! I feel like it's like Steak and Shake. They have drive-throughs pretty much. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've I've, yeah. I've never been to a Steak and Shake. Uh, fuck Burger King. I'm gonna say Steak and Shake. <laughs> all right, all right. I actually, I, mean, I've been I haven't been, to, I haven't been to one in like, I haven't been to one in like four years. But I like a Steak and Shake. That's yeah. Cool. I guess if that's nice. I guess you could move up. Uh, in and out one, and then maybe put like Del Taco at the bottom because like the the like vegan tacos there are very delicious. Yeah, they're yeah. I've eaten at Del Taco in like Compton a lot because like I was in in and out once. Yeah, and it was like wasn't too bad. It's like I don't know. It's weird because it's maybe it was fine. Yeah, it's like very like I don't know. Taco Bell is weird because it's like like I got French fries and a taco. It was novel. Yeah, it's like. There's like a partic- there's like the Taco Bell vibe and like the vibe is like the important part of it, right? Yeah, it's like like it's uh, not the Taco Bell vibe is still just like frosted tips and like yeah. Well, and it's like I like we used to go you know me and my high school friends would go during lunch break to Taco Bell and it's just like that like hanging with the you know just go with the dudes to Taco Bell right? It's like yeah. <laughs> there's like a very particular sort of thing that I it's think yeah, there's definitely a vibe. And that, that, like, no other restaurant really – or no other fast food place really has for me, right? And so I think that's, like – like, even though, like, I think Del Taco is, like, fine food. It's not bad, but it is, like – it does not have that magic, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think I think a big reason I've, I've – yeah, I think a big reason I want to hype up Steak and Shake is just, like, for the memories of, like, high school and, like, going there at 2 a.m. Because, like, we had nothing else to do and we were just, like, vaguely hungry. So I guess we'll get, like, a triple burger and a milkshake and, like, seeing, like – all the Magic the Gathering players there at, like, 3 a.m. Like, that was, like, a thing, I guess. <laughs> yeah. It was, hell like, yeah. very funny. That's fantastic. Um, all right. I, thi- I, think w- I think we've resolved this question. All right. I got another question from Jack. All right. Our question asker. I- I'm going to read this verbatim. Good. <laughs> Hi, Idly Talkings. With all the talk about new consoles removing or drastically shrinking load times, what are some games that have had load times you either felt necessary to be, to be experienced or enjoyed? Jack. Message via Jack Twitter. <laughs> I'm going to say all of them. I think loading screens were like a part of gaming as well. Yeah. I mean, I think um, – I'm trying to think like um, – Assassin's Creed. Yeah. Was a big one. I – Some of just like early NBA games. You could like play basketball while I was loading. You could practice, right. practice with the buttons. Yeah, I really like the like Bayonetta load screens where you can practice combos and stuff. Really yeah. Fun. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I've been playing Bayonetta. Bayonetta's awesome. Yeah. You know, it's never a bad time to replay Bayonetta. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm yeah. I'm finally playing it, which is good. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot. Ah, it's so good. Yeah. 
Uh, I know. I'm, I'm going to try and beat it by next week. Yeah, you should. It's it's good. We'll see. We can talk about it next time. Um, yeah. Minecraft, I, I think the thing is, like, oh, you know what's also good? I mean, we talked about this with Jack on the show, but the, the loading screens in uh, Candy Land are really good. Yes, absolutely. Um, I also really appreciate, like, I I had an experience with Skyrim when I was playing that in 2011 or 2012, where um, I was fighting a wolf, <laughs> and I was having trouble with it. Like, it was, like, Witcher kicking my ass. And then, like, the tr- a toolkit shops up. It's like, hey, if you use lightning magic, it, like, you know, stop. It, like, drains their magic because it yeah. does, right? And I was like, damn. And then, like, I did that and won. And I think stuff like that is really fun. Like, That's I think awesome. toolkits are cool, right? For sure. Um, like, is it weird that you're relating to them now? I like I like the, the you know, the, the like, item descriptions are on load screens in Dark Souls, right, that you get yeah. that stuff. I think that's really neat, you know? Yeah, um, like, a a part of me is more partial to the load screens that are not obfuscated by the game itself, like, you know, like in Spider-Man and the Insomniac Spider-Man game, the load screen is, like, Peter Parker on the subway or whatever. Uh, yeah. I kind of like the load screens where it's, like, a screen, a bar in the right corner, and, like, a toolkit or something. Yeah. I have an affinity for those that I've never really worked through why, per se, but yeah. I like Well, I think it's – I mean, I, and I think this maybe will just change, like, your console's not having enough time to, like, shift the way things are done rather than, like – eliminate but i think it's such an interesting pacing thing that it, it really is like you get time to breathe and to sort of like reset right like i can't like mm-hmm. you know i mean they were talking about playing demon souls on, on waypoint and it's like i cannot imagine playing a souls game and then like after dying i'm gonna immediately die right yeah like that's, that's such a separate yeah, like i for me it's like i want that moment where i'm just like i have a second to like reflect over what happened how i fucked up or like what occurred right and like andy is sort of there's there's all like i you know i've written about this but like there's almost a like ritualistic like resistance element to like how you act right there's a like sort For of sure. somber meditative sort of right i don't, I don't think mm-hmm. that like goes away if you take away the load screen right but it just changes it shifts right and so definitely um yeah uh i mean that's all the questions i had do you have any questions on that one <laughs> I don't know what it is either. <laughs> <laughs> That's long and about that much. <laughs> uh, Maybe we'll have a bigger question than next week. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah, that, I'm totally fine with that. Uh, we can we can do that. We can do that later. Uh, we can just cut this. We can absconde <laughs> it. Uh, we didn't have any email questions. There were no email questions. <laughs> um, yeah, well, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, we're, we're we're shooting about time here. Do you have any concluding things you wanted to shout out or bring up? <sighs> no, I, I don't think I have any. Punctuate, like punctuative, punctuate. I don't even know if that's a word. Just like finishing thoughts for the arc of this episode beyond. I don't know. I look forward to playing more PlayStation 2 games. Um, it feels very good to put a lot of 
really fuck society and yeah. let my burnout of um, modern AAA games kind of sit for a while while I indulge my gaming habits and yeah, I and think it's been what feels like more compelling role games. It's been really nice that this year's edition. I mean, there's been a lot of fun games that have come out. Yeah, for sure. And I think I think I don't know. It's tough because the the media interest has been like prevented back in the day, right? But I think yeah, it's a good thing to be. Shout out to Carla Brea Simpson Pickles for NCAA charging kids. Hell yeah. You should do that. But uh, <laughs> but you know, it's just like it's just difficult, right? And and so I I don't. I don't really like fault anybody for not playing more games. Yeah, this year, yeah, yeah. But I think it is. I think it's really valuable to be as it's if grounded, you're in yeah. this thing. Like you should, you should, you know. But it's also, it's also tough. I'm not. I don't know. You live your life, right? I'm not telling you how to yeah. live your life. I'm just saying, like, um, you know, I don't know. Resident Evil One. It's good. I like all the things that are frustrating and weird about it. <laughs> I like that you gotta have an item to save. The shit rules. <laughs> <laughs> um, I guess the the one thing I might like shout out, uh, is that I should read Game Seven again. I did read Book, but I read The Fire Next Time, the James Baldwin nice, um, kind of like uh, long essay basically, book plus mm-hmm. essay. Um, and that's quite good. And I think something I appreciate about that also about rethinking like religion, um, is that it, it kind of argues about the elementary school where Tyler comes from, that like, um. There is an inevitably going to be like a reckoning for the racial injustice in in this country, right? Um, and kind of the question of it is more like, what will that look like and what shape will it take, right? Um, and it's actually like I think indirectly kind of a Marxist idea that like the revolution will happen, but there is a question of like what will what will it look like and what will it be, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that is just worth it's worth thinking about like that there is no like normalcy, right? There's no like you cannot go back to brunch, right, to sort of get that Twitter change, right? You cannot, like, <laughs> yeah. you know, but, like, you can, like, shape what the future might be. Um, anyway, I think, I think, I think, I think people should read it. It's very, like, I think it's very good and very smart and very crucial. Um, it is also, like, a lot more, like, I think some of the stuff in it will come off different because it, it talks about, like, Malcolm X and the, like, racial mm-hmm. realm and stuff in a way that, like, I think hits different now than it would have at the time. Um, you know, so, and I'm not necessarily like a racist optimist, so I don't want to like give it that much credit. Um, but it is a book like very, it's very contemporary, right? Um, but I think also like, yeah. like, still has like the current state of things. Um, so that's, I don't think I have anything more to say about it, but <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, I think that's it. I think that, I think that's the show. Yeah. I think that's a wrap for this one. Uh, it's a wrap. Well, Cole, uh, why don't you why don't you give the plugs in? Give us a plug. Oh yeah. Um, you can follow me on Twitter at Cole underscore is underscore online. Uh, I feel like I wrote a pretty good essay about Assassin's Creed and the use of the camera in the first game a week or two ago. I like that. Uh, and then my most recent essay, which I think is good, is about. Well, I think Doom 3 is the best Doom game. Um, I kind of stand by that just because yeah. it's a lot more compelling when something pushes back against expectations and redefines what something can be than just playing the mirror of something already is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I should play Doom 3. I mean, I think Doom 1 is like, 
know, Stone Cold Classic and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I like most of his movies. I did not. I did like not care for Casino Royale. Like I like I like Doom Three. Casino. I could turn on one personally. I mean, Doom Three is my number one. Doom Sixty Four is my number two. So like, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> take all my Doom opinions with a grain of salt. No, I well, I actually I bought Doom Sixty Four for Switch. Yeah, sale. yeah, awesome. and then oh, Doom yeah. RPG is also very good. You can emulate it easily. Oh, what? I didn't even know that that was a thing. Wait, what? Yeah, it was a mo- it was a mobile only thing. It's literally what? a turn based. It's a like a. Yeah, it's like almost like a dungeon crawly turn based RPG. No Doom way. RPG. Okay, that sounds really cool. It's yeah. it's it's really after this you should, just look it up. It's it's incredibly interesting. Yeah. Okay. Cool. 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 But yeah, that's 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 all for my pro games. Okay. What do you got? Uh, well, I'm at uh, Bros Snowstorm Team on Twitter.com, and I'm also on Epicot.com, where I've been calling about uh, Christianity and and religion and, and video games that I just recommended at the school recently. Um, yeah, that's a that's a lot of good stuff. Uh, I I I think that's it. But you know, I'm <laughs> um, and I got I got more I got end of year stuff coming up over there. There'll be another column this month that I need to figure out. And I'm also writing a paper, too, now. I just I wrote a Melody of Memory review. That game's bad. Um, <laughs> I don't care for it. I'm going to be writing more stuff for them soon. So that'll be fine. I, I, my blog is at explorationonthemoon.com, uh, which has not updated in months, and I would like to fix that. But also, I've got, like, five things to write for Everglades. So please stop. Be like that. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I think that's it for me. Also, you know, if if you listen to podcasts, here here's my if you listen to podcasts, I do a podcast with my wife called Seasons, and it updates very infrequently, like even more infrequently than this, but it's good, and people should listen to it. And I'm gonna we're we're talking about the Dolly Parton, I mean not the Dolly Parton movie, but a movie with Dolly Parton in it, and she wrote a song for it called Nine to Five, which we're do- talking about works. Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. Hmm. I sh- okay, I've got an idea. I'll talk with you guys later. Okay. We're signing off. Goodbye. Right. <laughs> Goodbye.